Uh, I just want to share a, kind of two thoughts here regarding the the death, the cross of Jesus Christ. One is just the historical reality uh, of Jesus actually dying on the cross, and the other is just kind of a devotional thought. First, the historical reality. So in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, anywhere between 25% to 40% of their writings has to do with the last week of Jesus' life. So we actually have a lot of details regarding uh, Jesus' triumphal entry and the things that happened in the last week of his life and ministry. 25 to 40 percent of the gospel accounts talking about that, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. So I, uh, I, I grew up Roman Catholic and, uh, you know, I don't there's a lot of things I don't appreciate about my Roman Catholic upbringing. There are a few things that I do appreciate. One of them is the idea of how, how, how much it was emphasized, the historical account of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. I remember being a kid and going to church on Palm Sunday. And every year we would, they'd hand out these branches, these palms, and there would be this responsive reading. The service was different than a, a typical Sunday Mass. And uh, my dad was a lay leader, so he was one of the guys up front that was reading. So normally you had like a narrator, you had uh, someone reading representing Pilate, someone representing Herod, uh, then someone representing kind of the Jewish authorities, like Caiaphas, the Pharisees, and then you had this uh, reading from the crowd, from the congregation. And I remember... Um, the uh, I, I remember the story, you know, Pilate would be there and he would be like, you know, I, I find no fault with this man, referring to Jesus. And then the crowd would respond back, give us Barabbas. And then Pilate would say, well, what should I do with this man, Jesus, uh, whom you call king of the Jews? Well, crucify him. And then he would say back, Pilate would say, well, I, I find no fault with him. I, I, I'm going to just beat him and let him go. And then the crowd would tell back, crucify him. And I remember as a kid, year after year doing that same thing, the story of Jesus and his passion and how he was rejected by the people. You know, someone summed up. Uh, the last week of Jesus' life in this way. He rode into town initially saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then soon after that, they said, by what authority do you do these things? And then soon after that, the crowds were yelling, crucify him, crucify him. I remember as a child hearing this story year after year after year. So I never struggled with some of the historical elements of the gospel his death, his burial, and his resurrection. I believe it's because that was just part of my childhood. I heard the story over and over and over. May we tell the story over and over and over to our kids and to our family. So, because it is true, it's a real story. It really happened in time and space. Now a devotional thought regarding Jesus' death. Let me read a few scriptures for you out of, out of Hebrews chapter two. It says this, it says at the present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, him being Jesus Christ, but we see him 
who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. So here this verse tells us that Jesus suffered like every other human being. One of the most mind-blowing thoughts of, of the Christian message is that God actually became a human being and he entered into this mess called humanity. He experienced everything that you and I experience in terms of suffering, pain, all of it. Uh, he, by the grace of God, it says he tasted death for everyone. Later on in this same passage, it says, For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist. So everything was created for God and everything was created by God. Okay? In bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Again, the idea that Jesus came and he suffered. A little further on in the, in the chapter, it says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same thing, that through death he might destroy the one who had the power of death, that is the devil. A little later on, it says, Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So here's my, here's my big thought. The God of the universe, who could have rightly been above human suffering. Like, you know, if we're truly honest, we could all say, I suffer, and some of the things I suffer in life are some of my own doing. It's stupid things I have done, um, and I brought some suffering on myself. Jesus is the only one who could truly say he never brought suffering on himself. Why? Because he never did anything wrong. He never sinned. He's the only one who never sinned. Lived a perfect life. Never rebelled, not even once, against God the Father or against proper human authorities never ever sinned um, but he still tasted all the suffering that human beings uh, experience and suffer you know I, I think of the story of uh, you know the, the shortest verse in the Bible is John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept and I often say you know that short verse says a lot about God think about it here that story you're probably familiar with it Jesus comes into town, uh, Martha and Mary run up to him. Their brother Lazarus had just recently died four days earlier, and they were heartbroken. They were weeping. They were crying. They're like, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. And Jesus knew what he was going to do. He knew he was going to pray to the Father, and God was going to raise him up out of that grave. And uh, he knew that beforehand, yet it says... In John eleven thirty five, Jesus wept. Why did he weep? Because he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Why did he cry? I'll tell you why I think he cried. 
is because he felt the pain of Martha and Mary. He experienced their their heartbroken condition, their their sadness, their weeping, and that touched his heart. See, Jesus entered into human suffering. He didn't just stay above it. He didn't just stay aloof from it. He actually entered into this painful, broken world of humanity. That to me is amazing. Jesus wept, says an awful lot about God. <clears throat> Let me read what John Stott said. I thought this was an amazing quote, and I've remembered it for years, and I wanted to read that today. He says, I could never myself believe in God if it were not for the cross. The only God I believe in is the one Nietzsche ridiculed as, quote, God on the cross. In the real world of pain, listen to this, in the real world of pain, how could one worship a God who was immune to it? I have entered many Buddhist temples in different Asian countries and stood respectfully before the statue of the Buddha. His legs crossed, arms folded, eyes closed, the ghost of a smile playing across around his mouth, a remote look on his face, detached from the agonies of the world. But each time, after a while, I have had to turn away. And in imagination, I have turned instead to that lonely, twisted, tortured figure on the cross, nails through his hands and feet, back lacerated, limbs wrenched, brow bleeding with thorn pricks, mouth dry and intolerably thirsty, plunged into God-forsaken darkness. That is the God for me. He laid aside his immunity to pain. He entered our world of flesh and blood, tears and death. He suffered for us. Our sufferings become more manageable in the light of his. There is still a question mark against human suffering, meaning there's still a, I don't have all the questions regarding human suffering, but over it, we boldly stamp another mark, the cross that symbolizes divine suffering. That's an amazing thought. So our God is not aloof. He's not above. He's entered into the fullness of human suffering. And in the greatest sense so, when he was crucified on that cross. So that to me gives me incredible strength and incredible comfort. No matter what I face, no matter what hardship we face, we can honestly and truthfully say, you know what? He's faced it also. He's faced it before we will ever have to face it. And he's faced it in a degree that's even far greater than we could ever, ever face suffering and pain. You know, it says in Isaiah, it says his visage was marred more than any man. Meaning when Jesus was hung on that cross, he was beaten, he was tortured, he was crucified, and he finally died. He was, he experienced incredible agony as God, the creator of the universe. He didn't need to do that. He willingly did that. That's an amazing thing. So my thought is, do you ever feel alone? Well, guess what? He knows what it's like to feel alone. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Have you ever felt betrayed by people you thought were your friend? He even more so. In his greatest hour of need, all of his disciples took off. Have you ever felt sinned against? You know, Scripture says he came to his own and his own received him not. He was forsaken. He was betrayed. He was rejected. Um, he had to, even, at, even in his humanity, he said, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. If there's any other way that we, that mankind, whom we love, whom we created, who rebelled against us, who we still love, can be reconciled to us. If that relationship that's been broken can be fixed. If there's any other way to do it, let's do it that way. But, Father, not my will, thy will be done. Jesus knew what it was like to have a will and yet surrender that will to the Father. So, amazing thought that God is not aloof from our suffering. He knows. He weeps. He feels our pain. We're never alone in our suffering as human beings. An amazing thought. So, let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the cross of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for coming and dying and suffering. You are literally the only one that should not have suffered because you did no wrong. But Lord, you willingly suffered on our behalf so that we, the guilty ones, could be forgiven, could be uh, made righteous, could be adopted into your family, could be given hope uh, and given eternal life. God, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Lord, help us in every hardship, every trial, every disappointment, every pain. Help us to always see all of it. Even when we look at the pain around us in this fallen world, help us to always see it through the lens of the cross of Jesus Christ. God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.